Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. My friend Alex is not uh, feeling up to it today. She's a little under the weather, so hopefully she'll be back next week. But I do have a guest joining me today, and I'm going to have to apologize in advance to any of our German-language viewers as I'm about to butcher a last name, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Her name is Vanessa Roros. How'd I do? Oh, pretty good. That's good. Every once in a while, it just kind of comes out. I I, I have a uh, a Danish background in addition to the English, and there's a little bit of uh, German in there. So sometimes I'm able to just kind of reach in and pull it out, and there it is. Yeah, <laughs> deep down in there, you really do. You need to like growl it out. You're right. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it is. German is just it's a man's language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Vanessa, the, talk about kind of crossing metaphors here. Vanessa is a spiritual samurai. That's the way she describes herself, and I think we're going to find out exactly why that is true. But, I mean, I like the idea. we got the Germans, you know, we got the Japanese, we've got the two. It's almost like this is a reenactment of Shogun. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to this, but from a spiritual perspective, you see. That's it. That's it. We're very, we're like, this is a multicultural episode. We're just That's layer right. More just layer more. it in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vanessa, first of all, welcome to the program, and how are you doing today? So good. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you. So uh, give us uh, give us the history because uh, you have an interesting history. Tell us about how all this got started for you. I think like most things on this journey, it was somewhat accidental synchronistic. Do you know what mm. I mean? That's how we, I feel like so many of us, we're always on track to get here, but the path looking in the moment didn't feel like that. No, it's very circuitous. Yes, 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 yes. So I, you know, I actually started out way back in the day as a health coach. And even that was somewhat accidental. I I graduated at the top of my master's program um, with health policy and management, but I ended up landing the gig of the century. It was an unpaid internship with the city planning department. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, I'm ready, life. (laughs) I love it. Oh, you know, so I'm young and I, I, it was that time where I really was in the, the, I will earn and prove my way no matter what kind of thing. And that lasted a couple of weeks. Mm. And then I always joke, it was like the office without the humor. And I, I just decided one day, this is not, if I'm going to sit here for 40 hours a week for free, I'm going to do something else I want to do for 40 hours a week for free. I hear you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking back, I'm proud of the wisdom of that moment. And I, I was curious. I have always been a learner. I love, 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 love to learn. And I had always wanted to learn about nutrition. And so, but I had just finished a grueling grad program and didn't want to go back to traditional schooling. So I jumped into a friend's mother who was a health coach at the time. And it just sounded interesting. So I, I think that day I was enrolled, I quit my internship (laughs) and it was this delightful rabbit hole of, Evolution. I mean, at the time, it was very much you come to me, you want to lose weight. We talk about the broccoli mm-hmm. and the macros, and but it was change, you know, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. But none of my clients ever talked about food, which confused me mm. because they would sit down and tell me about their husband or their job or their stress. And I intuitively knew it mattered, but I didn't know why. And so as I started to just progress down that track, I stumbled into the world of beliefs, limiting beliefs and belief. And I just, I remember the, the moment was like the background behind you. It was like the whole universe. <laughs> was blue. I was like, wait a minute, you can change how you think you can change your mind. What? It was just so <laughs> cool. And I just became obsessed. I mean, I really, really, really did. And so my work evolved, but it was still very much about using the internal to change the material, mm-hmm. which yeah. is not not a problem. It's super cool. But once I got pregnant, this sort of structure of my identity collapsed because Mm. I never saw myself as a mother. I didn't plan to be a mother. And on some level, being a mother felt like it threatened this intense professional vision that I had. Oh, okay. And even all the work I had done on beliefs, and I just couldn't see the connection. But because it was such a collapse for me, I mean, it was, it's, it's such a gift and it is a gift, but for me, it was just like, it, 
anything but that would have made sense in my self-perception. You know, it was like that big. <laughs> and I was working with a shaman at the time. And he said, this pregnancy is a gift from God to destroy the structure of your identity because it's too small and it lacks spiritual depth. <laughs> I was like, well, amen then. <laughs> Talk about getting it between the eyes. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. When you don't listen, life gets louder. So it was an unraveling. It was such an unraveling, and it was a long unraveling. And it just really shifted my orientation around the work being about mm -hmm. using the inner work as a strategy to create outer results to mm -hmm. the sort of more multidimensional approach where, yes, what you'd create on the inside shapes what's on the outside, but what you choose on the outside also shapes who you become on the inside. Yeah. It's, it's definitely synergistic because we are all outside oriented. I mean, that's the way we're built. We're built to be externally oriented and then to be presented with this wonderful rabbit hole, as you very colorfully described it, that says, <laughs> oh my God, I have power within. Where? Who knew? Where did that come from? <laughs> I know. One of the most exciting discoveries. So the power orientate, you know, and it shifts. I think the longer you're in it, you discover more nuances to the power oh, and more yes. reasons to use it. I've often talked about here on the show how uh, the, the very first time that I realized I could do something as simple as change the way that I emotionally responded to a situation. Because I, I really did believe that the situations drove it. Yes. And when I, when I actually managed to do it one time, it was shock. Yes. Shock and surprise and Oh my God, how could I have not known that? <laughs> I had a really similar experience the first time I realized I could do something even if I didn't feel like it. Yeah. But same exact thing. I, was like, I could work out even though I don't feel like it. I mean, it was, <laughs> was wild. It shows how very heavily we are acculturated, how, how our societies just, they, they shape us yeah. very effectively. You know, the, the propaganda is strong. And when we are faced with new data that says, well, the propaganda doesn't actually have to be true, we say, wow, wait, whoa, 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 slow down here. I can't handle this. <laughs> I know. And I don't know about you, but I have also found that I was listening to a, just I had randomly, I had the radio, like the car radio on, which I don't often. Mm. And the, the radio show host was talking about Ginger and how... Mm. He didn't, he didn't even know what ginger was. And apparently, <laughs> saying, apparently it's spicy and it's good for digestion and it looks like a finger. And I had to laugh so hard because I was, <laughs> it blew, kind of blew my mind that I spend so much time in this world that I forget how much of the rest of the world, you know, still experiences life like that. And so sometimes I feel kind of crazy. <laughs> but, but in a good way. The best way. Right? I mean, who wants to be sane if, if once you understand what the crazy means? So good. I mean, crazy, I suppose, is a point of perspective, isn't it? it absolutely. Of course it is. One of my favorite words, perspective. Yeah. So, okay. So that gives us a kind of the lay of the land. Uh, but where does spiritual samurai come into it? So as my work has evolved, the spiritual part for me is that so many people that I work with operate a lot like I did in my life. So I remember as a kid, I can remember laying in bed at night, having conversations with life, the divine God, whatever you want to call it. I mean, just mm -hmm. straight up conversations. And then I had, I had a tricky childhood to say the least. And I, I remember the moment that I just cut off life. I was like, I'm going to mm -hmm. do it on my own. I remember the moment I was like six years old. So I spent the majority of my life just really steeped in the material. Okay. Outside, changing outside, you know? And so the, when I discovered this whole inner world and deeper meaning mm -hmm. and using all of the work as a way to go deeper into ourselves and become more of ourselves, the spirituality piece became so important. The samurai piece is that you, the samurai is precise and what's the other word? Like I will slice you with my blades of truth if I have to. Oh, <laughs> That's the first okay. Piece. That's and the second is that I really feel passionately about shifting the conversation in spirituality and personal development to one who's not afraid to die on their own sword in mm. the name of liberating other people. So I don't want to try to come across done there perfect 
And as a samurai, like I'll die for the cause, you know? So that's where that, that piece comes from for me. It's funny too, as you were describing that, the image that came to my mind was of a samurai wielding a sword. Mm. And, and it's almost like there was a caption underneath the cartoon. It was that kind of thing. And the caption said, the sword cuts two ways. Oh, cool. I, I thought, whoa, okay. Cause really that's part of, I guess you'd call it the risk of being a samurai. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're not only trying to cut through to the pith, to, you're trying to cut down to the truth, but you're risking getting cut. Yeah. And I think if you're in this exploration, you've got to be like almost hungry for the risk. Mm, yeah. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're in this, this simultaneous exercise of trying to change and resisting the pain and that just takes so much longer. <laughs> God, yes. Well, that's why they call it resistance. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. And then you also describe yourself as a soul guide. What does yes. that mean to you? So the soul guide aspect to me is about going as deeply into your essence as possible. Okay. Because we're so good, at least I am so good at lying to myself. Oh, yeah. That's one right? of our earliest skills. We learned oh. that when very young. Yes. <laughs> and we get so caught up in the web of our own crazy mental constructs that you can you can really live a life that is completely out of alignment with you. Mm-hmm. And convince yourself that it's totally in alignment and then just feel this constant dissatisfaction. Yeah. So the soul guide part is about helping people go deeper and deeper past all of that so that what they're actually doing is in more in alignment with their soul. And it's, I like the word guide because I don't, I don't really so much relate to myself as a coach. You know, there's just a different, different paradigm, a soul guide. I don't know the territory we're in any better than you do. I just know how to recognize the moment that you know what we're looking at. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I get you. And, and I like the uh, the com- combination of the soul guide and the, and the samurai because the samurai does wield the sword, which cuts right through. It, it reminds me of a line from a movie that came out about, oh, God, 10 years ago, something like that, uh, called The Blind Side, story of a, a family from uh, the, the southern Midwest who uh, basically help a, a, a poor young black man. Uh, they kind of adapt him into their home and, and help him become an NFL star eventually. He, he mm-hmm. becomes a, a highly highly uh, drafted, highly rated NFL player. And in the course of that storyline, um, the people, the, the actors who played the, the two parents, uh, one of whom was, um, of course, yeah, her name's going to just go right out of my mind. Sandra, Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Yep. Sandra Bullock. Uh, is having a conversation with Tim McGraw, who's playing the father. And the, the uh, Tim McGraw's character says, well, you know, M- Michael, you, you, you have to kind of peel him back a layer in, at a time. And Sandra's character says, not if you use a knife. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're talking about. That's it. You're talking about That's... the samurai, you, samurai using the knife to just cut right through all the crap. Say, okay, let's get to the core of this thing. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like it gets to be both. The soul guide is more like Tim McGraw. And the spiritual samurai is more like Sandra Bullock. So I can come yeah, out. Yeah, right. You're not safe either way. In fact, uh, uh, Sean, uh, what was her last name? Tui, Sean Tui, uh, when he was on the set of that film and he saw his wife and Sandra Bullock on the same set at the same time, he, he, he said he got really confused because it, he said the world can handle one beyond Tui. Having two of them in the same place at the same time is too much, too much to handle <laughs> because they're so good at cutting right through the layers down to the pit. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, that's such a good movie. That's such a good movie. I forgot about it. That yeah, really is a good one. Yeah. In fact, um, the uh, interesting thing from uh, my perspective about Sandra Bullock is that when she was originally presented with the part, she turned it down. I did not know that. She turned it down. And the reason she turned it down she, was she says, I can't play this character. And the the uh, producer said, why can't you play it? And and she said, essentially, because I I don't understand this character. I don't, I don't get it. Mm. And I think what actually ended up happening is the producer introduced her to Leanne so that, that she could just kind of get to know her. And after she got to know her, she says, ah, now I get the character. 
it wasn't explained to her well in the script, but when she met the actual Leanne Tui, she got it. I think the way she expressed it was she's a force of nature. Do you know why I love that story so much? I mean, aside from the fact that it's such a cool story, right? it's such a good metaphor for how in the process of going deeper into the realm of law of attraction, you have to almost relate to yourself that way, your past right. and future self. Yes. Because if, you, if you're in this space of self-rejection that makes it really hard to manifest what you want, you can't understand why you have this resistance, why you behave this way, why you do these things. And so you reject it. I, I don't want anything to do with that. And then sim similarly with the future, I couldn't be that. I can't, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't see that. But then the moment you deeply understand yourself, it sinks up and all of a sudden you get to replicate. <laughs> it's true. Well, in my case, I didn't even, not only did I not see it, I, I wasn't even aware that there were resistance levels. When I first got presented with the idea of resistances, why I was having trouble manifesting what I wanted, I said, okay, where is it? Where's the resistance? I have no idea where it is. Is there like a switch I'm supposed to turn off? Because I have no idea where to do this. Wow. So what do you mean? You just didn't know how to recognize it or? I think part of it was I didn't know what was meant by resistance. Mm. And I didn't really know where to look within for resistance because like so many people, particularly from my generation, we weren't encouraged, you know, societally to go within. I mean, for generations, people were, were discouraged from going within. I mean, religions taught against it and, you know, entire social structures were built around, oh, no, 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 trust the society, trust the external, trust the people, trust the things that, that are tangible that you can, you can, you know, actually touch and feel and sense and so forth. Um, and the idea of going within was kind of radical to say the least. Um, so when it came to actually having to do that in order to understand why it was that this law of attraction thing didn't seem to work for me, it was a little traumatic, to be honest. Mm. It took a little doing. I mean, I was intrigued, don't get me wrong, um, but honestly, it was one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast because I didn't fully grasp it. I didn't get it. How do you do that? How is yeah. that? And, and how does that actually work? I mean, okay, let's say you, you are actually able to go within and you're able to make your connections and blah, 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 blah. And you cut through all the, the resistance. But what's actually happening physically? Like, how does this vibration thing actually work? Mm -hmm. Cause there was, there was the, you know, the, the science side of me was saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. This is a bunch of hooey. It's, this is that woo woo side. I'm not sure I like that part so much. I had to come to terms with that somehow. Because I was also the reason I became involved in in doing this podcast in the first place was my business had gotten wiped out by the 2008 financial crisis, and mm -hmm. my wife's business has gotten wiped out. So we basically went from okay to broke instantly, and I hadn't done anything wrong, according to what I'd been taught up until that time. I had done everything I was supposed to do in order to run a successful business, and yet here I was out of business instantly. I said, "How could that be?" That's what opened me up in the first place to even consider this whole law of attraction thing, which probably two months before I thought was nonsense. But now it's like, well, Jews, I don't have the answer. It's got to be somewhere else. Maybe that is it. I don't know. So I started to investigate it. But again, that's when I ran into this whole question of resistance. How does resistance work? What is resistance? And, and all I could think of was, you know, electrical resistance. Mm -hmm. you know, okay, I can get the idea of electrical resistance. So that, that's what ohms are all about. So how does that work with a human being? I have no idea. Well, that's what led me to do a podcast. <laughs> I had to learn from somebody. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. That's a really, that's, I'm sure that helps relate so much. Again, when people are in the same place that you were, you can help them navigate it. And, you know, of course, that's what we go through. We go through so that we can lead it and teach it. Well, it, it was actually kind of a shock when I found out I had listeners. <laughs> to be perfectly blunt. <laughs> I mean, it's literally the only reason I started the podcast. I get that. I really understand that. I, I get that. This was like the early years of podcasting. And the only reason I started it was, well, if I could do a podcast, I can have experts come on. They can teach me for free. And I don't have to spend any money because I don't have any money to spend anyway right now. Yeah. So why not do it that way? And then, oh, my God, there are people listening. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a podcast. That's right. <laughs> it's so good, though. You know, it's such a – it's the it's – the, the fool in the tarot deck. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, let me just leap that way. That looks like a good next step. Right. It's, it's so innocent and cur curious. And I mean, <laughs> vibrationally really effective choice for law of attraction. It is. Yeah. It worked out great. And the best part was that I found out like, kind of like what we were talking about before we got started here is I found that I love doing it. 
I didn't expect that part. That that was like that was the cherry on top. And then you know, soon that, the, the cherry actually became more important than the actual pie after a while. <laughs> I think that has to be a turning point. I mean, if there if there are important moments on the journey of law of attraction, that's a big one. Yeah. Because I know for me, and I think for most people, when I initially discovered, I actually discovered law of attraction very early in life. And then I went through this period where I really rejected it as, I think I, I think I just judged it as passive hopefulness or something like that, probably because mm. that's how I related to it. Sure. When I came back into it, then I was really using it as a strategy to get something, yep. mm -hmm. which is just a more like, advanced version of control, <laughs> really. But it's <laughs> yeah. the way most people come in, so there's nothing it wrong is. with it. Yeah. But when you start to, when you start to, or at least when I started to get excited about being delighted and surprised, mm. I think that's where it's had, and, and I'm still kind of navigating that territory right now, yeah. but I know that the more I connect to that as the reason or something, the motivation, mm -hmm. it really changes it because it, it opens you up. It does relax you. It helps you surrender. It helps you do all the hard part of the letting go. Yeah. But yeah, it's what yeah. it's so much more fun to be so delightfully surprised. Oh, I see. That's that. I guess that is what I meant. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's way better. But oh yeah, I can see how you got that. <laughs> I think probably one of the most annoying things from my perspective is recognizing that the universe or source energy or God or however you want to term it has a better idea of how to get where I want to go than I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, my ego wants to say, well, no, no, I know how, I, I can see the root. The root's right over there. I don't know what the big deal is here. And then all of a sudden I end up on a completely different path. Like, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> it's very disorienting. <laughs> it is very disorienting. It is. It is. Yeah, I was also just pausing and reflecting too, because a lot of the times the thing that takes you from one path to the other is what, what was your previous guest calling it? DTS down the spiral? Down the spiral. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like there should, we could rebrand the game shoots and ladders and just call it law of attraction. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it. That's true. Yeah. That, that really, that's a great analogy, great metaphor. Yeah. It's right when you think you're about to lose, you always land on the ladder that takes you right to the top. Right. All right. The time. Yeah, that's oh, that is a really good one. Shoots and ladders. I'd forgotten about that game. That's have you yeah. ever heard of the abundance game? Oh, it's so uh, cool. you mean, is it like a board game. Yeah, really, it's really hard to find. It's really, really. I think it very few of them were printed. It's like a hundred dollars for a board game if you find it online. Yeah, yeah, but it's so cool. It's it's kind of like Monopoly, but the law of abundance version. Okay, it's just cool. Like you, but you. Like, how does that work? Do you go around buying abundance? Like you buy properties on Monopoly or? No, you, you buy businesses and then the card teaches you. So for example, I, this is one of the cards I haven't played for such a long time, but one of the cards that so let's say you, I don't know, you roll whatever many spaces and you pick up this card and the card says you have to go around the table and based on your appearance, everybody has to guess how much money you make. And, okay. and it's, I mean, so there's some like vulnerable moments there. But it's really cool because it's it's actually a, it's a game that teaches you about the principles of manifestation, but mm. in a very real way. So another one might be, okay, you have to, um, you're going to franchise a on-the-go manicure business. And it asks, asks you to give the pitch. And then the other people at the table would say that they would invest on you or not based on your level of confidence. So it's, wow. it's, it's, a, it's a really brilliant game. It sounds like it. I, I got to look that one up. I hadn't heard yeah. of that one. It's hard to find, but if you find it, snag it. Wow. The idea uh, that uh, they uh, claim uh, is that the more you play, the more you raise your vibration and the wealthier you get in real life. I, I can see that. I can see that because basically not only are you retraining your brain, you're, re you're retraining your pattern. That's right. That's really interesting. I the know. abundance it, game. I can't so, believe that nobody's actually taking that to the next level in terms of, of sales that, that it, it, it apparently they didn't print anymore and now they're, you know, they're high priced because you can't get them. But so yeah. that, that's like, that's, that's, that's an idea that's just waiting for somebody to say, okay, let's turn that into an online version of a game or something. 
I mean, here, maybe this is your moment. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, I don't know. Well, first I got to find a copy, but ladders. other than that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the ladder of all ladders. Right, right. Yeah, the abundance game. Okay, I'm going to look that one up. So, all right. Well, that gives us a, a, a little bit there about who you are and where, where you've come from. So at this point, in your career, you have, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about some of the things that you actually offer in, in terms of what you offer uh, for your services, but also talk about, this is really where I want to go. Talk about what kind of client do you like to work with? What kind of, of, of help are you able to give to people? I guess it's the best way to say it. My, my favorite kind of person to work with, most of the people that I work with are entrepreneurs or have okay. some entrepreneurial element to their role there in sales or high level leadership or, you know, something like that. And the reason I like that so much is because I think entrepreneurship is probably one of the best suited containers okay. for self evolution, spiritual evolution and manifestation. Cause it's mm-hmm. just a whole lot more fun when you're not doing it the you know, traditional way when you really get into. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. 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 The traditional way sucks. There's no other way to put it. That's exactly accurate fact. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the people that I work with are, they're at, they're at a precipice. That's what I like Mm. to call it. They are, Mm. they can feel that there's like, okay, there's like a bursting through feeling that they're really like, I gotta, I gotta get through this. I, I, I hesitate to use the phrase next level because I think it promotes this idea mm. that, I don't know, there's some linear video game or something that we're all involved in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But certainly they can feel like there's a deeper, more expansive version of them that's wanting to be on the planet instead of the one that they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. At the same time, there's something very material that they're working toward. Yeah. And so what I help them do is, is basically blend the two. It's to finally let go of control so that they can play with source in a real way. Not like I did, which was like the strategic way to pretend that you don't know that you're pretending to be source. (laughs) (laughs) And also I really help them up their, their, their self mastery in terms of leadership, skill, execution. So there's a very practical element. And, um, there was one other piece, but yeah. Oh, and yeah, this is a small piece about self-expression to do it in a way that makes them more them. I just don't Mm. believe in compromise. I don't think that we're meant to compromise. What do you consider to be compromise? Give me an example. In order for me to making this up, triple my income, I need to take away the time in the evening that I spend with my daughter. Okay. So basically all the different ways that we say to ourselves, all right, I've, I've already put out there what I really want, but here are the limitations I'm dealing with. So I'm going to think in terms of the limitations. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's, I call it precise pleasure. It's not just Mm -hmm. what you want. It's what you want exactly how you want it. Okay. And I, I also think that this is a huge, at least for me and my hypothesis, a lot of pe- hypothesis for a lot of people is that this is a big, um, this creates resistance and manifestation because if I only commit to allowing myself to see that what I want is $500,000 in my revenue, but I won't let myself see that I also only want to work three days a week. Mm-hmm because I don't think that second piece is possible. I'm not going to be able to like to get my whole self behind the vision of $500,000. So we have yeah. to let the precision of the whole vision come together. So I think this is what I'm most excellent at. And this is where the samurai swords become really useful because it's not just about chopping away, you know, resistance in and of itself like on the what's holding me back over here side. Mm-hmm. It's also about chopping away. What's not true about what you're telling me that you want. Mm. We've got a lot of mud caked on top of our desire. So, so let's um, give us an example. Like think of a client you worked with and, and explain how we, we cut through to that point, the way you were just describing. So when I, when I meet with any prospective client, the first question I ask is what do you want? Mm-hmm. And this is where my spiritual samurai comes in because I can just feel when it's not the whole thing. Most Mm. people will tell you, 
most people are aware of 80% of what they want, but they won't let themselves have the other 20. Mm-hmm. And it drives me crazy because I can feel it. I'm like, no, tell me the whole thing. Tell me the whole vision. You know, so let me think of an exact client. Um, ooh, 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 this is a fun one. So one of my clients was, uh, is, was a director of a really big, really, really big global organization. And when they arrived, what, what she said was, I want to be a better leader. I want to be more inspiring. I want to lead people. And it's all good. Like I'm, I'm here for that. And I don't feel desire there. I feel interest, inspiration, integrity, but not like mm-hmm. I want it, you know? And so as we started to dive deeper, what she really, really wanted was that and to be fully expressed in her creativity, but she had no idea what that meant. Hmm. Okay. It just kind of fell out of her mouth one day and then I just wouldn't let it go. And I remember her even saying to me, man, you're really hung up on that creativity piece. Like (laughs) she really didn't see it. It was such a desire, such a blind spot for us. And so I I just couldn't let it go. That's the the precision part. I'm like, no, that's it. What's there? What's in creativity? So as we started to peel it back, she ended up creating the idea to start a couture bag bag line taken from that she creates geometric art from the photograph she takes on safari. Hmm. Okay. And so this was the desire that was hiding behind her. I want to be a better leader, which is not a bad desire, but it's not the whole thing. Hmm. Yeah, you can tell it, it, it's missing a big piece that you know, it was un, it was an unstated piece. And yes. I can see easily, I think anybody can see easily how, well, of course she's not going to state that part because that part's so unrealistic anyway. So let, let's just aim at being the, you know, the ideal leader. Yep. And I mean, her, the business is growing like freaking crazy because it's so aligned. Hmm. Hmm. That's Sometimes an important the point. The law of attraction should be called the law of alignment. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's accurate because uh, well, it's not so much that we attract things as so much. It, it's more that we um, we become in alignment with things and, and then that's when they show up. Yeah. I, I When I was listening to the con- – I can't remember his name, but I was listening to one of your other episodes and you were when you were talking about being down the spiral – the, you were you were both sort of reminiscing on thinking back to that moment saying, how did I attract this? Mm. And it's a great question, but I, I know that for me for a long time, I weaponized that against myself. Oh, we all do. Of course we do. Yeah. That's, part, well, that's why we asked the question. <laughs> what did I do to, what did I do to deserve this is what we yes, really mean. That's really it. Yeah. And so I have, you know, I, I recently just experienced a huge, I mean, huge financial collapse in my life. Like chugging along, chugging along, but I knew I was out of alignment. Mm. I knew it. I, it was. I knew it. My coaches told me. I knew. I mean, it was all. I wasn't even hiding it, but I wouldn't let go. I just kept trying. What I I kept trying to buy myself more time is what I said. I would use the money to buy myself more time, and at some point, I would like kick into gear. And the minute the structures collapsed, I didn't even feel bad. I just felt relieved. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. Because I just knew, okay, finally I'm in alignment. Holy cow. So I also knew. Yeah, stop here for a second there. There's a really key point you just made there. You collapsed and that puts you into alignment. That's not the way we normally think of a collapse. But that's pretty important. Because I have, you know, graciously, I've done the work to finally understand that self-punishment is just not effective. Well, I think, I think I disagree with that. It's very effective, just not in the right direction. Yeah, that's right. That's true. It's very, okay. <laughs> nice, nice nuance there. That's very true. It's not effective in helping me feel better. Yeah, yeah, better, there you go. Have better. <laughs> but yeah, it was just this deep knowing that I know what alignment feels like. I knew I was out of alignment. Hmm. I know that my human doesn't love what's happening. But the soul part is like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a breath. Do you, do you have any clear sense? This is a question I've asked myself for a long time, and I've gotten some interesting answers from many really uh, experienced and, and knowledgeable people. But I'm curious to know what your answer is on this. Why do we hang on so fervently to being out of alignment? Because we do. We all do. 
I love the question. I've never been asked that question. So let me think about it for a second. I think the simplest answer that occurs to me right now is that it, it's the illusion of safety. Mm, yes. There's true safety and then there's the illusion of safety. And I think the second answer is because we're designed to. <laughs> In what way? The, you know, my my belief is that we we incarnate to be human, to forget our true essence so that we can remember. Okay. And so we, I, I tend to look at things from the ego perspective and the soul perspective. Mm -hmm. And usually the ego and the soul are trying to get to the same place but for different reasons and with different methods. Sure. Okay. So the ego's strategy is to self-preserve at all costs, to protect safety, and to win for the purposes of self-inflation, basically. Hmm. And so to you, the same, the same human and soul could have the pursuit of financial wealth, but the ego is going to do it from a, a very different place than the soul will. So the soul strategy is liberation, I think, at all costs, because the soul is infinite and nothing can really hurt you. So whatever is necessary for my expansion, let's have it. And then the purposes of the material, external, other elements are for joy, generosity, indulgence, you know, in the, in the most fun ways. So it's not so much that the ego is, it's like the ego, one of my favorite phrases, the ego knows nothing of being and will try to save itself through doing. Okay, so I, I'm going to bring another piece in here because yeah. this is this is part of, of something that I've always found to be very fascinating. Because the word ego, where it originally comes from, um, it, it comes originally from Latin and ego means I. So it is nothing more than the word we currently use to describe identity. Mm -hmm. So if we take... Uh, what you just said and kind of do word substitution, our identity is essentially trying to do and get us to where we want to go in a way that is not the way our true selves, otherwise known as souls, would do. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, that's really, really wild. Our identity doesn't want to work the same way that our souls want to work, our, our, our true selves. Why is that? I, my answer to the why is that is so we can experience true abundance. Meaning that even when we experience, so when, in, when we have an identity, identity collapse or something happens that, you know, really makes us feel like we're dying. Mm -hmm. I call that self-annihilation, ego annihilation, really okay. feels like death. But mm. if you let yourself go through it, it's like you get to have these resurrections over and over and over in life. And the more I experience those moments, the more I really get to feel I'm always good. I'm always okay. I'm, I'm great. And I, so I think that part of why they operate in opposition like that is so one can experience clinging to safety, fear, freak out. So if you can get through that, then you get the really good stuff. What's your thought on that? That's certainly in alignment with what many other people have suggested to me. I like the way you, you word that. Uh, there, there's a part of me that, talk about resistance, that resists the idea because I have trouble believing that my identity wants to be separate from my inner self. It's not so much that it wants to be separate. If anything, I think it most desperately wants to be united. It just uses the complete approach that takes it separate. So it's more unintentional and accidental than anything. Yes. Which is why I always say if there's ever resistance, you cherish it, love it. Like it's a three-year-old little kid who is disoriented and upside down. Doesn't know how, if you, you know, I have a three-year-old, that's why it comes up when yeah. she is in a tantrum. Oh my goodness. Not three-year-olds talk about power. Holy moly. No kidding. <laughs> wow. 
Pat, we we want to talk about regenerative energy. Can we just like hook toddlers throwing tantrums up to something? I feel yeah, like right. <laughs> you probably fuel a few cities that way for sure. <laughs> so when she's in that state, she is just you're not my mommy anymore. I don't. Love oh my you. goodness, <laughs> she's hardcore. She's like teenager. She's a teenager. A teenager. Yeah. <laughs> thrashing around and kicking and hitting and she'll do anything she can to keep me away. But all she wants in that moment is to just like testing my love. Will you still love me here? Will you still love me here? Will you still love me here? And to me, that's how the ego behaves with the soul. It's not that it wants to be separate. It's just a three-year-old throwing a tantrum that has no idea how to get close. Really interesting. So what you've done is you found a very nice, neat way of describing what poets have tried to describe for generations, which is how do we deal with all of these aspects of ourselves being alienated from ourselves? You, you just kind of tied into this nice, neat little package. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't really experience myself as like really articulate. So that was really lovely to have reflected back. Oh, you're very articulate as far as I'm concerned. Articulation, articulation is really nothing more than the ability to say what it is that you're thinking and feeling. And you did that beautifully. So congratulations. You are articulate. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would think you would have to be as a coach. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to be that spiritual samurai, trying to help them guide themselves back to that alignment with their, their soul. The method that you approach with is, you know, cut to the core. Don't just peel off layers, just slice right through. Right. Well, you've got to have that that ability to express it in a yeah. concise way, in a cutting through the layers way, if yeah. you're going to be a successful coach. So I, I would hesitate to, to not suggest this, that you already knew that you were articulate. You wouldn't be a coach otherwise. I received that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we are funny creatures, we human beings. We are. We are. One of the things that um, I think really helps, I was, I was talking to one of my clients earlier this week and he was really upset with himself and mm. really in a shame spiral because mm. we have really been working on creating a life in alignment. And it's mm. really quite honestly terrifying work to do. Sure. Because a lot of the times as we, you know, this, as we create an alignment, the things that are out of alignment fall away, even if we're not quite ready for them. But sometimes they fall away in really painful ways. So this person mm -hmm. was really upset because they were really upset with the way they had handled, like in essence, they sabotaged an ending that could have otherwise gone off a couple more weeks, probably pretty easily. Mm. They were really beating themselves up about it. And I, so as I sat with him, I said, well, what do you think is, he was really in that space of I did a bad thing and I'm a bad person. And why could mm -hmm. I have not just, why did I have to make this so hard for myself? Why couldn't I have just let it unfold in this other way? And so I said, well, what's your answer to that? You're not really asking a question when you say that you're just accusing <laughs> yourself of not doing it. So if you were to really ask that question, what would the question be? And he ended up discovering this, this was a really innocently, innocent attempt to kind of regain power in a situation where he felt like he had no power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I said after he saw that was, and I'm just sort of muddling the details a little, cause it's a very personal story for this sure. person. It's really masterful the way that our ego messes things up, you yeah. know, as we experience it. I think when you can take on the perspective of sort of like delightful curiosity and also like I'm sometimes pretty impressed by the way my ego can sabotage and mess things up Ooh. I'm like that's actually brilliant <laughs> I don't like it I want you to stop but wow <laughs> it's true we have tremendous ability I mean your your three-year-old demonstrates it on a, a regular basis but it's all of us we all have a tremendous ability to just create very imaginative ways of undermining ourselves on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember the current coach I'm working with is a woman named Jessie Johnson, and she's so brilliant. And her basically her her zone of excellence is that if it's kind of like for some reason the image of remember where's was it where's Waldo? Yeah, mm. the book Where's mm -hmm. Waldo? Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're talking to her 
and all of your subconscious strategies to undermine yourself are all in the room. Those are all the other characters and where's Waldo. And she can just look at what she's like, no, that's Waldo. All mm. the other ones aren't. And yeah. it's, but it's really just the skill itself of being able to recognize when you're actually in your self-sabotage and when you're not is so simple of an idea, but so challenging to actually do. Well, I, a good coach, and, and I definitely get the feeling that you do this, a good coach is able to not not only identify where Waldo is, but hold up a mirror to Waldo. Yes, for sure. And also set up a barrier <laughs> to all the other ones. <laughs> not over here, not over here, right here. <laughs> they go into mob mentality when Waldo gets isolated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Another false Waldo got in here. Get out of here. No, no, no. You're not <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That's a false Waldo. We're starting using that. Wait, 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 wait. No, that's a false Waldo. Waldo has a red and white striped hat. That one's just white. <laughs> I love it. That is fabulous. I'm also curious to know how you are able or if you are able, I imagine that you are. So I, I think that's where how came from, but how you were able to apply what you do with your clients in your own life? Because to me, that's the big challenge. Can we take what we've learned? Certainly it's easier to help somebody else. That's one of the reasons people become coaches, but the hardest thing is applying the same thing to ourselves. And I'm curious to know just how successfully you feel like you've been able to do that. I mean, I think I can say with humility, incredibly successful. Okay. And the reason is I have, I don't know, I guess I picked this up early on, but I, I just find it to be incredibly true that I can only take my clients as far as I'm willing to go myself. Yeah, fair point. So if that doesn't mean how far I've gone myself, just internally, how far I'm willing to push myself. Mm -hmm. So one of the, one of the reasons that I've been successful in that is because there have been many, many, many times in my profession, my life, I've been doing this for over 10 years that I've gotten stuck that I start to realize I, for some reason I can't, I feel like I can't move my clients anymore. Mm. And it's always an indication that I've camped out somewhere too long. So one, I, I consistently use my clients as a mirror for my own evolution. If I start to find a bunch of my clients are bringing the same thing to me, I'm like, Ooh, gosh, I guess I got to go do work on that myself. You know, yeah. it's just, so it's kind of, we help others. We help others to work on ourselves and we work on ourselves to help others kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I mm -hmm. always have my own coach. I always, I just always do. I don't think you have to always. Otherwise coaching kind of turns into this sort of pyramid schemey type of thing. <laughs> good description. <laughs> I like that. That's good. A pyramid scheme. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, I mean, there are people, I have lots of spiritual samurais in my life that are just like, Oh no. Mm -hmm. I remember saying to my spiritual teacher not that long ago, I said, speaking from this part of my ego giving voice, I feel like everyone's just my puppet and I can like make everybody do what I want them to do. And she looked me dead in the eyes and said, I don't make a very good puppet. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get people in your life like that. You bring your A game and they're just like, nope. Yeah. You, you, well, you're reminding me of an incident that occurred um, about, let's see, it must be about 20 years ago now. It was early in my marriage, um, and my niece was about three or four years old at the time. She's currently a, a mom, so you know, a few years have transpired since then. But uh, she had come over to visit us because we, we uh, at the time, we were living on a lake in Virginia, and my niece was living across the lake with my parents and her mother. And this is like the first time that she came to visit us after we moved there. And she comes in and within like five minutes, she's, she's throwing a tantrum. Now, my wife, now my ex-wife actually, uh, at this point, but at that point she was, she was newly my wife. She and I basically were on the same page without even talking about it. And I remember distinctly how the conversation went. We, we both sat there, we're kind of looking at, at Mickey doing this thing. And I remember turning to Louise and saying, is this doing anything for you? And she says, no, not a thing for me. Is it doing anything for you? I said, no, not really. And we both turned to her and almost said in unison, sorry, it's not working. <laughs> and it, it was like a water faucet turning off and it stopped and it never came back. <laughs> oh, what a good strategy. That's a great Totally strategy. unplanned. We had no, we had no conversation about it or anything. It just, we just were in sync on it. It, it was so funny. 
It was so funny. And she never gave us a problem after that. Never oh once. My, it's so, that's a really, that's such a brilliant image. It's such a brilliant image. You can see them turn it on. Like, I saw you ramp that up. <laughs> but that's what a good coach does. The good coach doesn't let you get away with crap like that. No way. No way. I'll tell you, coaching too is, is a pretty, um, it's a pretty, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll tell you, mm. because as I progress in my profession and my own development, the most powerful moments as a coach are when my clients want to make me the problem. Yeah. And it happens a lot. Sure. Not, not a lot, a lot, but it happens. And I remember early in my career, it just sent me into a total spiral. I'm not good enough. And, the, mm. and now it's some of the most epic moments where your client is coming at you and you can just lovingly hold the space and then help them see something even more amazing about themselves. And it's a great skill to have. It's a skill. Actually, I think people are trying to learn whether they're coaches or not. And I say that because I've actually come to the conclusion, this is the number one. um, I hesitate to call it a technique. It's more like a defense mechanism or, or, you know, strategy, if you will for getting what you want in life. The, the number one self-deceptive strategy that I think plays in existence today is projection. I have an issue, so I'm going to project it on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we see it all the time. We see it with you know political figures. We see it in the news. We see it with entertainment figures. I mean, it's, it's just everywhere. Everybody projects. It's like, it, it's almost like it's the latest craze, you know, who's projecting Waldo now? I mean, it's just, it's continuous. <laughs> And one of the most fascinating things about it is how, on one hand, how challenging it is, because you described very eloquently how challenging it can be. And on the other hand, once you get it, how easy it is to deflect it. Yeah. And also so liberating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I one time defined freedom as giving anyone permission to have whatever experience they want, especially it's a, if it's about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't, do you know the work of Byron Katie? Some, not a whole lot, but yeah. I know some. Yeah. She's, you know, even if you just watch a few of her kind of, she's, she's always on stage sort of coaching people through it. It's really, I mean, it's, it's so simple, but it is radical and hot. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the But I agree. I agree. I, I get the feeling. The reason I mentioned that I think that uh, projection is such a big deal today that a lot of people are, are using it and a lot of people are learning how to, to handle it is, I think that if we look at this idea that the whole planet is going through an evolutionary shift, a spiritual evolutionary shift, and and that's something we've talked about a lot here on the show, and I I really do think it's happening, I think that's the level that most of it's happening. Mm. I look at all the different areas of life where people are are in in struggle with each other within themselves and so forth um i, I look at you know the political struggles and and you know the the violence and the wars and all that stuff and i it's the same thing over and over again it's i'm blaming you for what i'm doing that's what projecting really is oh, i'm blaming you i don't know if i've ever heard that simplified down to that sentence but that's what projection is projection yes. i i i have this pattern so i'm going to use it against you yeah because it's really all your fault. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would agree. I think I would agree with that. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that in terms of the planet in that way, but I think you may be onto something there. And the fact that we're, there are so many of us, I won't say everybody, it's always dangerous to, to be that uh, all encompassing, but I would say there's a large chunk of the global population that's wrestling with trying to understand how to deal with that particular issue. Yes. And, and in many cases doing so successfully, but as with any of these kinds of self explorations, it's a grind. You know, it's, it's like one tiny step at a time and three steps back and all that kind of thing. You know, I found a really useful lens to shift that in my life. What's that? Is looking at my world through the lens of codependency. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just, I like that because I think codependency is typically reserved for the extreme relationship dysfunction or extreme mm-hmm. personal dysfunction, addiction. And, but if you, if you are willing to look at the places in your life where you are being codependent, mm-hmm. this is where we're martyrs. This is where we're rescuing. This is where we're people pleasing. It's all mm-hmm. versions of codependency. Right. For me, it was such a helpful 
frame because it just seemed so over the top to describe them as codependent that it was a way to pierce right through and be like, oh, I'll be darned. It sure is. <laughs> oh, wow, there it is. Wow, there it is again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just liked it a lot. It helped me simplify, simplify it. Yeah, we humans like that. Anytime we can, we can shape it down to some very simple concept, we just gravitate to that because that we feel like we can handle that. Okay. Yep. If it's that simple, Hey, even I can do that one. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Well, I just realized we're kind of running out of time. We got to talk about a couple of things. First of all, you have a, is it a workshop or it's an event coming up in March called emergence? I think it is. Emergence. Talk, yes. Talk about emergence. Emergence is a phenomenon. Okay where what comes next cannot be reduced by, predicted by what has come before. That's what emergence mm. theory is. And mm. I love that. It's scary as hell. Yeah. And it's what we want. Mm. The worst thing in the world isn't to not change. It's to change and feel like nothing changed. Ooh, really good. Really good. I never said that out loud. Thank you. That was from yeah. um, a social That's media post. <laughs> Pull a quote. Marked. Okay. We got it. <laughs> and that happens because most of the time we convince ourselves that we're changing, but we're actually just regurgitating and repackaging something mm. that feels a little better, but still safe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what we, I think what we want is to really fully emerge. I want to surprise myself. I want to do something I haven't done before. I want to be someone I haven't been before. I want to go where I feel a little dangerous. Hmm. I want to feel something new that I know for sure is me. That is what emergence is about. And it's a four hour transformative immersion. It's virtual. And why I say transformative immersion is because it's, it's going, it's intentionally designed to just keep pushing you out of the edges of familiarity and predictability into the space of innovation and expression. And um, it's going to be epic. I imagine that this is probably going to be fairly interactive, which probably oh. means you, you, you can only probably handle a limited number of people in that. So that means people need to sign up in advance, I would imagine. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So how do they find it? So you can... What I recommend is go to thepowergift.com. Okay. And there you can find a, a free training that I have offered, which is one of my favorite things. It's about, it's an acronym for power and it's how to, it's basically my version of manifestation. Okay. And through that link, you can download the training and it'll take you right to the page to sign up for the event. Okay. All right. And so if someone's catching this somewhere out in the future, <clears throat> I'll uh, like past March. I'll be doing them quarterly, so you can still follow that same pathway. Oh, okay, good. So if you miss this one for whatever reason, you can catch the next one. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. But what is the, the next one from where we are right now in February 2023? What's the date of that one? <laughs> it's March 24th, and it's March from 24th. 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Is that a, a weekend? It's a Friday. It's a Friday. Okay. All right. Okay. So, yeah, something to look forward to there for people who are ready to make that breakthrough. Just... You know, there's, there's the, there's the great big, you know, drum with the, with, with the drum head that you run through and okay, you ready to run through the drum head? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just give me imagery for my, my content. I'm like, all right, we're going to get a giant drum that I can run through. <laughs> you don't happen to have one, do you, Walt? <laughs> Not handy. No, but if I get one, I'll definitely ship it to you. No Thank problem. You. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I got to tell you, Vanessa, this has been fun. This has been really, really good. A um, couple things we got to do. First of all, I, I'm going to guess that that same website is the best way for someone to reach out to you if they are interested in exploring a coaching opportunity. That's correct. That It's a, it's, a, it's easier than my regular website, but it'll take you right there. Okay. And then the second thing I have to do, this is a become a regular practice here on the show, and boy, does it apply in this case. You're a giver. You give and give and give and give and give and give. And I like to recognize givers because one of the ways that givers don't get recognized is there are many people that they'll, they'll never see, they'll never meet. You know, they, they hear them on a podcast or they, they read a book or they see a blog post or something like that. And they get value out of it and they, they do something with it to, you know, improve their lives. And the giver never hears about it. 
And because you never hear about it, it's very easy for us to say, well, you know, there's not really anything going on there, but there is. So I like to make it a practice to say on behalf of those people you'll never meet, you'll never see who you've been helping all this time and who you continue to help. Thank you for what you've been doing. Thank you for what you continue to do. That actually, like, I want, I want to cry. That's so amazing. Thank you. I really think it's important for that reason. We just, we don't recognize it. Yeah. It's big, especially in this information age where there's just so much information out there. When you have someone who's giving like that, it's more important than ever to recognize it. And you're one of those. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. I reflect that back to you. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. And thanks for joining us. And this has been fun. This is so a fun. Really good conversation. So fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. I had a blast. I, I don't think I've ever laughed so much in a, <laughs> no interview before. It's delightful. Well, then we had our daily dose of happy, so we have succeeded one more time. This is a we good did. thing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.